What's up, everybody? Are you in the market for a new steel mace? Look no further than Adex Maces and Clubs. Go to adexclub.com, place your order, and have them delivered right to your house. Adjustable steel mace made right here in the United States. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I have Jake Shannon back again. He was on the podcast about two weeks ago talking about um, his business that he's doing. You can see it in the sign behind him if you're watching a video. If you're on audio, his business is actually called uh, – if you go to his website, it's uh, numberonecoaching.com. He's coaching businesses. You're a business consultant, right, Jake? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I try to do – for people's businesses, like what I've done for the Mace community in terms of creating something and having it go. Right. So that was a good discussion. If you if you want to just jump back to that, that's a totally different topic than what we're talking about today. We had to do two separate podcasts because the topics are so diverse. Um, so what we wanted to get into today was we're going to talk about some some I don't I guess conspiracy stuff or whatever I because I got to talk about the Russians here but you <laughs> you've been around for a while Jake you brought the steel mace to the world and something very interesting about you you follow a thing called chaos magic which is like a methodology it's not a religion yeah. it's it's nothing like that it's not a cult it's just a way of doing things would you say it's kind of like the scientific method I honestly think it actually is probably the most scientific way to think when you really look at data instead of looking at dogma. When you really look at like as when you get to the frontiers of science, you get to at the edges, at the fringes of science, things like quantum physics and things, it, things start getting really, really strange and in my opinion, I, I'm radically agnostic. I really, all I know are the things that come into my sensory organs, and even that could be deceived, right? So I just try to do the best I can. And what I have found is that the people that tend to think the most in that way, like me, have created a a, a philosophy or whatever you want to call it, and and a lot of that is gathered under the idea of chaos magic okay so can you give us a rundown um i guess the most basic way i guess of explaining chaos magic what exactly is it what are, are we actually doing magic here or what's going on so you know i think a lot of people don't realize how much um magical thinking is actually prevalent in the world um it, it, i'm i'm really into history i'm really into philosophy I'm into math. I'm into science. I've taught science at private schools, and um, I have a master's science degree in a mathematical discipline. And um, you know, what people don't realize is when you look at the the history of science and the philosophy of science, um, it's not a god. It's not infallible. In fact, it's quite the opposite. But it's the best source we have at true knowledge or 
in philosophical parlance, epistemology. But what people don't realize is that um, science came out of magic. Chemistry came out of alchemy. Isaac Newton, who is the guy who invented calculus, invented classical physics, like the stuff you learn in high school, invented optics. Like, this is a smart motherfucker. <laughs> and he was a magician. The amount of work he wrote on science, which wasn't called science at that point, was dwarfed by the amount of stuff he wrote on magical topics like angels and um, <laughs> weird metaphysical and alchemy? subjects. Did he talk about alchemy? alchemy? What yeah. was science called before it was called science? Magic. The wow. difference was, is so, you hear these terms thrown around and there's this like analytical overlay of the modern culture and people judge the past by the modern culture. They can't seem to wash clear that analytical overlay and put themselves in the eyes and ears and the shoes of the people of the time, given their limited knowledge. And, you know, people were trying to do things like alchemists were trying to change lead into gold. Right. Hey, everybody, if you're looking for new fitness equipment to add to what you have and you want to find something that really complements the steel mace that you're swinging already, consider going with freedomstrength.us. They have strongman sandbags, throwing sandbags, uh, all kinds of lifting gear. They have training sandbags, resistance bands, and weight vests, and they have apparel. And if you use the discount code SMN10 at checkout, you're going to get 10% off. You're going to help support the podcast and you're going to help support a good American company right in Pennsylvania, US of A. So check out freedomstrength.us. Okay. Just like today's doctors are trying to turn sickness into health. Hopefully, you know, I mean, it's, that's debatable these days. Uh, but, you know, so when we talk about these subjects, there was an attitudinal shift that happened that changed magic or sorcery or whatever you wanted to call it, alchemy, whatever you want to into science. And the shift was from being occulted Okay, occult, get rid of all the religious bullshit that's been overlaid on you by, for whatever purposes, political, religious, whatever. Get rid of that for a second. The word occult just means secret, means occluded, shut off. Okay, that's what it means. That's the actual meaning of the word. Th those sciences were called the occult because those people trying to change lead into gold and do these crazy things, do spells and whatever, we're not sharing information. Then they said, you know what? Instead of hoarding the information and trying to be this genius that discovers something, I'm going to start sharing my data and everybody's going to start looking at this data and verifying and seeing if it's actually a real phenomenon or not. That's science. 
That's science. Yeah. So we went from occluded and occult science to an open source, yeah. for lack of a better term today, where people are actually checking each other's work. That's crazy. And when That's that happened, that, and when that happened, there was a fucking hockey stick in terms of progress. Right. All of a sudden, man, everybody's sharing. Now, what's interesting is that hockey stick also happened to go along with what we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago with business, and that is sharing with, with regards to trade, right? Right. And so you have both socially people trading and having positive relationships, and now you have technology and entrepreneurs implementing these scientific things and spreading it, and next thing you know, we go from having shit running into the streets to having indoor plumbing, penicillin, flight, space, internet, telephones, like two-day shipping from Amazon, like crazy shit. I, you know, something I always love to say, right? Here's, here's my cell phone, right? Yeah. This is alchemy because they took minerals and made this into a thing that <laughs> right. I could – I could hear Jake Shannon's voice on it. I could do a FaceTime. I could see your face. It's magic. It's alchemy. Yeah, <laughs> was... Here's the thing. It really is magic because you can't make one. You have yeah. no idea. I don't have any idea how to make one. So it's a cult. So what we what when you're looking in your cell phone is what they used to call scrying. S-C-R-Y-I-N-G. And that was a way of getting information for them by looking into mirrors and cauldrons and shit like that. But they actually made a really good version by sharing the tricks, yeah. right? And so and so, science came out of the wizards. Like Friedrich Nietzsche, I can't remember the saying off the top of my head, but basically he's like, today's science rests upon the wizards and sorcerers. And, and it's just true. If you study the history of philosophy, the history of science, the history of technological progress, the history of engineering, you can, it's just very obvious when you take away all the religious bullshit and the trappings and, oh, you're a Satanist and all this dumb stuff. So do you understand where I'm, where I'm going with this? So, yeah. so now that happened and we have science. But the problem is, is science is not supposed to be dogmatic. Right. To me, that's, again, like we talked in the last talk, we talked about, business and capitalism, but there's a difference between laissez-faire capitalism and this state capitalism. One is fascism. One uses guns and bullets and jails and all kinds of evil shit. Like, you know, we were talking about big pharmaceutical companies that are notoriously evil. Okay. Everybody right. agrees. Like this isn't even controversial. Well, the same thing has happened in science. Okay. And so there's been these people that have become very dogmatic about science and now it's not even scientific anymore. So, for example, there's something very fascinating for anybody that's uh, a, truly a fan of scientific thinking and reasoning and logic and empiricism. Um, it's called the um, uh, replication crisis. Google it. It's absolutely fascinating. The replication crisis. Just replication. Replication. Crisis. Yeah, and, and a, a brilliant epidemiologist who was right in the very beginning about lockdowns but got vilified. Um, he's a statistician at Stanford as well. Brilliant man, John Ioannidis. Um, before any of this shit happened, he was already on my radar. 
because he discovered this replication crisis in science. And, um, you know, we were, you were talking in, in the last talk that we had about psychology and, you know, these people need help. And I said, dude, psychology is bullshit. And I'm like, not winking or smiling about it. It's bullshit. Yeah. The replication crisis found that over it's something like 61, 62%. That's way more than the majority of scientific, just it's a word. It doesn't, just because you use scientific sounding language doesn't mean it's actually fucking fact. Doesn't mean it's scientific. It's bullshit. It's manipulative. It's using inkhorn terms, scientific sounding language, but it's not real. They found that 60, I think it's over 60% of psychological studies could not be replicated, could not be proven. Okay. Yes. So when you hear somebody saying, oh, you got this problem, you need this pill and all that, is it a fucking sales pitch, a manipulative one by these state capitalist criminal giant corporations? <laughs> or is it factual? And it's not. I'm just telling you. Nine yeah. times out of – well, six times out of ten, it's completely not factual. Well, I, I mean I could add to what you're saying from my – from my um what I know about the world. And, you know, we come from two different places, but this is something interesting. We have an overlay here. I kind of know what you're talking about because I learned something else. So you're saying that like 60% of science can't be replicated, but psychology, psychology, but that does go into other fields as well. Okay. Okay. So that 60% carries over into other things like maybe um, injections and pills and stuff like that. Oh, dude. Because they don't um, – in science, they, they always say, um, here's my study. Um, here's my results. Now, you, you group of scientists, maybe on the other side of the world, you're going to take the same study and you're going to follow it. And you're going to see if you get the same results. And if you right. get the same results, then we got a winner. And what you're saying is most of that stuff never happens. It's bullshit. And, and so, you know, a lot of it is it has to do like this whole lockdown thing. Most people realize this. It was bullshit. Yeah. Now, of course, anybody who's still wearing a mask, like they're probably at home right now wearing a fucking mask watching In this. In the shower. Long. Yeah, right. There's nothing we could do for them. Okay. Because right. that's just brainwashing or, you know, like cult. I, I just can't reason with a person like that. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is that was really scary to me was, first of all, what they were trying to do by forcing these injections, first of all, which was tried, um, was in stark, blatant violation of the Nuremberg Code. Mm -hmm. There's still people alive that were alive during that period. We hung people. They tried to force medical experiments that were unproven. Mind-blowing. You can go on Twitter, follow the hashtag Nuremberg2, like the number two, and you'll see a lot of dissenting people. Yeah. Now, you'll also find a lot of dissenting doctors and medical professionals and scientists like John Ioannidis, but they were ruined. They were smeared, slandered, marginalized, deplatformed. That is the opposite of science. Science is about rational, non-emotional debate, conversation, and knowledge, not politics. And this is the problem, is science has become politicized. And this is kind of what communism wrought. They tried to create this idea of a scientific state. Right. And where that's why they claim to be atheist, but their god 
is this materialistic shitty science that's not replicable okay so this is where i this will let the audience in on how the genesis of this actual podcast because i recognized a symbol that the russians were using in fact it was putin has an advisor his nickname is the the putin's brain that's how is that's what they call him his name is alexander dugan and there was an assassination his daughter was assassinated but they think that it was meant for him so i looked into it because of what's going on in the world and i'm a curious guy and i started noticing pictures of her that he was posting up or somebody was posting up and there was a symbol it was a ball with these with these arrows emitting out of it. And I immediately thought of you, Jake, because that's on your uh, website. And I was a little familiar with some of that just because of people talking chaos magic. And I said, are they doing the same thing? And I, I actually sent you a message and I said, Hey, look at these pictures. Are they doing the same thing? And you basically said that you are a libertarian uh, well, an anarchist libertarian. Um, I'm, uh, more of a libertarian. I mean, me anarchism too. is more of an ideal. It doesn't really work. But yeah, I, it's like I think it's a great idea. Yeah. It's a better idea to lean towards. Yeah. But it, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Like, so I think anarchism the symbol, would be... The symbol is being used by the Eurasia party. Right. Which is Dugan and, and Putin, you know. But they're they're like radical nationalist Bolsheviks, which are radical communists. All right, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I got to also point out that they're also saying that they're Orthodox Christians. How can they be communist and Christian at the same time? I mean, dude, people hold all kinds of contradictory beliefs at the same uh, time, man. I mean, just look at American that. politics. Look okay. at American politics. Look at every Republican that says they want small government and grow it bigger than even the Democrats. I mean, that's a problem. Um, so – so the Eurasia party, yeah, it's just like, it's like I had said to you earlier, they use, so in chaos magic, just there's a symbol that they use that's an eight pointed star. It's called an Octaris uh, sometimes, um, or the chaos, chaosphere or something. I don't know. There's all these names. It actually comes from like a role-playing game um, okay. originally. Okay. And, and like a fiction, a fantasy fiction thing. I don't even know if it's role I can't remember, but. You can find it on Wikipedia. Um, and that symbol looks, it's like black, but it looks like a compass without a circle around it. It's like, you know, north, south, east, west, northwest, southwest, east, you know, all that. And so it's eight-pointed. Now, the Eurasian symbol is similar. It's an eight-pointed star, but the star itself is inside of a, like the point of the eight points end up being a square. And that subtle difference of the points being a square versus radiating in a circle, like the chaos star for for chaos magic, is the difference. So they're completely not related, completely different. Um, Again, whether, I don't know if they just liked the way it looked or what it was. Um, But yeah, like the the founder, the guy who's credited with with starting this idea of chaos magic, um, Peter J. Carroll, brilliant guy so brilliant so smart uh peter j carroll um uh, he as well i I can't speak for where he's at now but a lot of the books he wrote 
like cyber magic and some other books that he had written uh, in the 90s or early 2000s were all very libertarian uh, and anarchist in the libertarian anarchist tradition, not in the communist anarchist tradition or the syndicalist tradition. And so they are at odds. It's like Native Americans used a swastika and had one meaning and Nazis had a swastika and it meant something completely different. But yeah, they just right. use the same symbol. So, right, like, um, yeah, there's no connection between the two. Now, the thing about chaos magic and how it's related to science is, again, on these fringe things that we discover when we really start looking. There, So there's a, a philosopher of science, very famous in those circles, like amongst nerd, philosophy of science nerds, Thomas Kuhn, K-U-H-N, Thomas Kuhn. And he wrote a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. And he, if you ever hear anybody's talking about using the word paradigm shift, that came from Thomas Kuhn. Okay. Oh. And so also the, the, the prevalence of the term anomaly. In fact, I wrote a book called Anomaly discussing philosophy of science from what I call the anomalistic point of view. And anomalies basically create paradigm shifts, right? So you have one way of looking at the world. You think that all swans are white. And then you see a black swan. That's the anomaly. And now you have to say, wow, not all. Now I have to change my worldview. Not all swans are white. Most swans are white. And there's this exception, right? right? And you have to, now, so we were talking about Isaac Newton being a magician. And here's the irony. So he's a magician. And and uh, John Maynard Keynes, probably the most famous economist of the 20th century, right. not a good economist, but the most famous and most influential probably in terms of uh, American policy. Um, he actually wrote a book called The Last Magician, and it was his biography of Isaac Newton. Flat out said he was like the last magician. And what's interesting is that, you know, the classical physics that we all do in high school, distance equals rate times time and, you know, torque and, and all these calculations you can do and predict things on Earth. Um, that's known as classical mechanics. Okay. That has been used philosophically to really push this idea of materialism okay as a philosophical not a scientific as a philosophical concept that kind of is an analytical overlay on how people look at science okay and so when you're materialistic you stop looking at anything that's not material okay and that's the irony is materialism kind of came out of this magician ironically it's like irony and it later was because of the quantum physicists and also Isaac Newton, that we started stripping ourselves, true science, uh, science people interested in, in the results of data and experiments, started stripping themselves of this idea of objectivity that had been created, ironically, by a magician known as, you know, in a, in a weird way, due to uh, Isaac Newton. So, so what, is, what is strange about quantum physics is that all these classical physicists started studying subatomic particles and noticing that at a different scale, the universe completely behaves in a way we don't even really fucking get. Yeah. And we still don't totally get. Yeah. Okay. It's really weird. A couple things I would suggest. There's great videos on YouTube to, to show this. Look up the double slit experiment, double slit S uh, yeah. uh, S L I T. Fantastic. I, 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 Schroeder, Schrodinger's kittens. Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. Cat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I read that. So, when I was like a teenager, I didn't really read the whole thing, but I was 
gripped by that. And then I did see the video you're talking about, and I recommend that to anybody listening. Yes, that is mind blowing. The more well, you the think about it, really, the one that'll really fry your circuits is called. And this, you'll have to Google it and go, or actually YouTube it. Uh, the delayed, delayed choice quantum eraser. It effectively proves that time doesn't move sequentially. That time, as we perceive it, is not accurate. In the same way that we only perceive a small band of visual data, and we only hear a certain wavelength of of vibratory uh, frequencies, so it, is, it seems it is with time. The time doesn't actually proceed sequentially, and it's mostly kind of an illusion of our existence. And so, you know, with these, both relativity of Einstein and the work of the quantum physicists, which interestingly enough, guys like Niels Bohr, um, uh, Oppenheimer, a lot of these big name players in the quantum physics world were also, uh, interestingly enough, Hindu scholars, and they oh. studied the Upanishads. So, you know, interestingly enough, how we're connected through Hindu physical culture, through the the Gata, the Mace, the, but these uh, <laughs> a lot of these guys were very influenced by the Hindu religion and started really looking at it. That started being the analytical overlay on what they were doing. Mm. And, and, and so there is this weird connection with mysticism and what happened is like through these double slit experiments, delayed choice quantum eraser, relativity, right? We all know what relativity is that says that, you know, there's no fixed calculation of speed. It's relative to the two, the speed of the two objects being measured, right? It may, it may appear that you're sitting still, but we're not. We're on a planet moving around the sun, you know what I mean? And right. it's rotating. The sun is moving around the galaxy and the galaxy. So, you know, it's relativity is, is the idea. And it really ripped away this idea of objectivity, because especially the double slit experiment, because it seemed to imply that an observer changed the outcome. Consciousness seemed to change the, change the outcome of the experiment. Yeah. So instead of having a primacy of existence over primacy of consciousness, it actually flipped it on its head, showed that maybe consciousness is at least equal with the material world so is Mind chaos it. magic used to understand that what you just said is that what it's okay for? so so when you start looking at the world this way most people are still stuck in the old paradigm of materialism um that was wrought by isaac newton it hasn't matriculated down to the non-intelligentsia class the 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 quantum physics people, right? It hasn't trickled down to your average blue collar guy quite yet. People are still stuck in this materialism thing. And the people that are not convinced of materialism tend to then go crazy spiritual or religious, but there's other options. And that's kind of what chaos magic is. And it's, and it really, where I really started stumbling into this is my study of uh, placebo and hypnosis, right? And I was always fascinated by this because I was, as a teenager, I had cancer. I had Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was 15. And one of the doctors who was pretty out there for, this was like 1989, suggested I start uh, doing meditation and hypnosis to help manage some of the problems I was having from the cancer. And I was always fascinated by it and fascinated by the placebo effect, which Irving Kirsch, who's a very, very brilliant um, uh, psychologist 
and a guy who's really held uh, big pharma's feet to the fire by showing that these antidepressants are bullshit. Um, he, he, I think he's a Harvard guy, brilliant guy, um, Irving Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H. Uh, I think his book's called The Emperor's New Drug. It's a great book. I think that's it. If not, it's close. Um, anyway, he calls he calls uh, things like trance and uh, Reiki and hypnosis and all these things that are mystical and like, oh, mind control and all this bullshit that's not true. He says, no, what they are is is um, uh, a non-deceptive mega placebo. And if you think about the placebo, with regards to medicine, it is the benchmark by which we determine efficacy. That's how fucking powerful. But yet we're so dismissive. Oh, it's just the placebo effect. Yeah. It's like, you should be like, it's the motherfucking placebo effect. And that shit's powerful. Okay. But what is the placebo effect? It's the power of belief. It's what do you believe? Right? right. So we've seen people be able to heal blisters with the power of their mind or create blisters with the power of their mind. We've seen Wim Hof be able to change and manipulate his vagus nerve and not freeze to death in circumstances where other people die. Okay. Because the power of belief and being able to do certain things with your mind. Okay. And this is really the essence of what chaos magic is. Now, ironically, a lot of these discoveries came from Peter J. Carroll and a few other guys like Phil Hine. And there's a, there's a number of other guys um, uh, that, that are in that uh, milieu that um, they actually came from studying weird like shit like Aleister Crowley and all that and these other weird occultists that were trying to maintain the magical line, but they were also scientifically minded and particularly peter j carroll has a very sharp mind very mathematical in fact many of his books have like crazy equations that are quite obtuse for 99 percent of the planet uh even though he's writing about magic he, he puts them in equation form and um so what, what's interesting to me is is that all of these ideas kind of converged right and so really at the crux at the core of chaos magic is trying to use the power of belief to manipulate your reality. Given what we know of the power of the mind to actually affect material items like the double slit experiment, whether it's light as a wave or a particle, um, you know, what they've done is there's some very interesting work that they don't consider themselves chaos magicians either, uh, but the, all these people working in the same field. And for me, I, I really don't, I, I don't identify per se with the chaos people because they do deal with a lot of this magical metaphor shit that I, I'm just like, okay, what I, I'm not interested. I do tend to use more scientific metaphors and, and language and ideas. Um, but it's also like these people get what the fuck I'm saying. If I just say these two simple words of chaos magic, right? They may not know it from the same way, but you know what I mean? If I say mace bell and steel mace and addicts and everybody still knows what the fuck I'm talking about. It's the same thing, right? So um, now <laughs> there is a like a group of people, like there's a group called SRI, which stands for the Stanford Research Institute. It originally started at Stanford, but their findings were so controversial, they got protests and shit, and they had to they had to actually spin off a, a, a company. So if you ever saw the movie with Greg, uh, George Clooney called The Men Who Stare at Goats, which was made as a comedy. Oh, yeah. I don't know why, but 
probably because the way the world actually can't reason anymore at real crazy data and 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 actually adjust their models and with the data instead of their narrative and their dogma. But SRI, uh, Stanford Research Institute, started doing a lot of work that was proving the efficacy of things that we normally call psychic abilities. And that's what, and, and then they were engaged by the military to do things like remote viewing and these other things that are really fascinating and backed by data, okay, backed by real solid uh, replicable science. And, and there's a guy out in, uh, I think he's in Vegas, named Dean Radin, who runs the Institute of Noetic Science. They're doing similar work as SRI. And then there was a group out in Princeton, it's now defunct, run by Robert John, who I think was the dean of the engineering school, worked for NASA, started a group called PAIR, and PAIR was an acronym for the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Group. And they were starting to study mind over matter phenomenon and again, run it through rigorous scientific tests that were replicable and have some baffling, interesting phenomena. Now, we could call it psychic, okay? But to me, you know, in wrestling, everybody will call a certain move a Kimura, okay? Because that's what BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu calls it. Well, for like 150 years, it was called a double wrist lock. And, you know, that's fucking English. It's the language I speak. I don't sound like some fancy pants uh, exclusionary club if I say Kimura and I have to explain this whole fucking thing. If I say double wrist lock, it's simple, yeah. okay? And so a lot of the same phenomenon that these people are studying with, you know, uh, Institute of Noetic Sciences, which they call themselves, it's an acronym, IONS, or um, or PAIR, or SRI, or any of these organizations that are really doing this cutting-edge fringe shit that's fascinating. What they're doing is studying psychic phenomenon. And the psychic phenomenon can either be the receiving of information, clairvoyance, telepathy, that, or it can be the manipulation of matter, telekinesis, you know, things of that made, moving things with your mind. Well, magic's had these terms forever, okay? Changing the world through telekinesis or a, a changing events is called enchanting or enchantments or spells. Yeah. And receiving information is called divination. Like we were talking in the last call about scrying and looking into mirrors or cauldrons of water. Right. We can call it remote viewing. It's whatever helps your brain deal. But they're all describing the same phenomenon. What did, he, what did uh, Shakespeare say? He said, a rose by any other name would still smell as sweet or whatever, right? A rose is a rose is a rose, right? right. Like, like It's still a fucking rose. I can call it, I, I, I can like, say it's a dog or a paro yeah. or a whatever. I like to say if, you could call a fish a horse, but it's still a fish. Right, but no matter what you call it, the word's actually kind of transitory. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thing that I like about the Chaos Magic says, you know, like maybe we should look at some of this weird shit from the past. And maybe there's stuff that we dismissed as nonsense and mystical. And maybe there is something to it, like the quantum physicists did with the Upanishad to help them understand quantum physics, right? Now, Jake, we're going to run out of time. I wish we had more time for this because this pretty complex thing but i also think that this is a uh, a good place for people looking into chaos magic to start because you just laid out a lot of names and stuff like that to pick through um but before we go 
I want to pull up your your book. Um, I love the cover here, and just real quick, tell the, tell the audience what uh, this book is about. Because you said to me that this was kind of like the this would be the precursor to Chaos Magic, right? Oh well, so this was more of a biography. I I, I actually unpublished it because I, I my life has changed so much since then. Okay. And you know, this is one of the things, the truth of being an author, some of my worldviews have changed. And so I, I just unpublished it. I, I, people could probably still get it like used and whatever, but uh, this was more of a, a, a memoir that I wrote from the perspective of something called Discordianism. And Discordianism is, is really uh, connected to chaos magic. It precedes chaos magic. Discordianism, um, it was the, the first joke religion, right? Now we have okay. like, the flying spaghetti monster and pastafarianism and these joke religions, right? Um, the big Lebowski spawned a thing called dudism, right? The uh, church yeah. of the Latter-day dude and all these, yeah. like these joke religions. Well, discordianism was the first joke religion, but they used that as a Trojan horse to really get some of these like more interesting ideas, like about not being dogmatic in your thinking. Yeah. And having a, a joyous perspective and not taking things so seriously. So and that says, is kind of perspective. It says right here, $39.99. I can't buy it. It says one used. One used. There's one that people can buy and they priced it at $40. I used to okay. sell it for like 15 or something. But I might buy I don't, it. I don't, I, don't, I don't publish anymore. Should That's I buy just it? just a story of mine. <laughs> if you want to. It's pretty <laughs> ridiculous. It's probably boring, honestly. That's a big reason why I unpublished it. Is as a writer, I just was like, People don't really want to hear fucking my weird my life. It's not that's that just you saying it. You are an interesting guy. Your last podcast, you made business sound interesting. So <laughs> with chaos magic, this is flooring me. Um, if you don't mind, we're gonna have like we're gonna have a minute left here. If you don't mind, could I have you come back on and talk about more chaos magic? Because I'm gonna be sure. doing my own little thing here, and I might, you know, use what you told me, use it with some other stuff. I might do some other podcasts with some other people. Let's see how this comes together. Let's make this a little bit of a saga. Sure, All yeah, right. I, it's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I, you have a great podcast, and I and I really enjoy. It. Thank you, man. Uh, I appreciate that. I, I I love talking to you. Um, and the Steel Mace community uh, loves using the Steel Mace, which. There's the guy right there, everybody's Jake Shannon. Jake, thank you. We will talk again soon. Thanks, sir. I can't hang up. <laughs> oh, here we go. All right, later, brother. Thanks.